0: Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that introduces you to some of the top talent in the world of cybersecurity.
1: Hello and welcome to the No Password Required podcast. Our podcast is dedicated to exploring the minds and the personalities that make up the field of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Jack Clabby, a cybersecurity attorney at Carlton Fields, PA. With me today is our new, now permanent co-host, Kaylee Melton, who's the Vice President of SAC Courseware and Labs at Before. On the podcast today, we'll chat with Gotham Sharma, the CISO and Cybersecurity Educator at AccessCyber.co. Gotham is a bit of a modern Renaissance man. He divides his time between writing, speaking, teaching, and consulting, all things cybersecurity. He has two lives, though, that often intersect. The other part of his life, he searches for the spotlight and reaches for the microphone as a stand-up comedian and entertainer. Gotham, we look forward to a great conversation. But first, hello to my new co-host, Kaylee Melton. Kaylee, how are you?
2: I'm great, Jack. How are you doing? I'm Do it, yeah, doing great.
1: I'm looking forward to, to talking, uh, talking to Gotham, for sure.
2: Yeah, me too. So... Did you see the recent announcement from the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Activity? It did. It, last, it did, it uh, did make six. a little
1: bit of the a little bit of the rounds. But what? Do me tell the listeners what what what's going on here?
2: So they are calling for contract bids uh, for a new project. Um, They're reimagining security with cyber psychology informed network defenses. So this is based on a 2019 paper by researchers at Arizona State University, uh, where they suggested we explore deploying a strategy that relies on triggering established cognitive biases affecting human judgment uh, to thwart cyber attackers. So you know, cyber attackers obviously exploit these biases for themselves. um, But this proposal is that we turn that against them and exploit their own. I
1: like that idea of like turning it, turning it against them, right? We think about all the things that make a phishing attack effective or, you know, uh, one of these uh, double versions of these ransomwares where I'm going to post all your dirty secrets unless you pay me immediately, right? It's nice to, to think we're going to get in the mind of these hackers, I, I was more surprised that this hadn't been done before, I, or at least there's there's maybe there's psychology on it, same. but they haven't turned it into a product that could actually help defend the wall, uh, for what it's worth.
2: Yeah, uh, I felt you know? the same way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I can speak of some. I mean, in a, you think about it in other sectors, right? I mean, trying to get into the mind of the fraudsters mm-hmm. or trying to get into the minds of bank robbers. Mm-hmm. I know they do that sort of after they have profiling and profilers, but this is one step further than that where they're actually trying to take the psychology and turn it into some kind of active defense.
2: Right, exactly. So as, as you say, we have all these profiles that we use to catch people of all sorts of kinds. Um, But the idea here is that because they hackers, attacker hackers, criminal hackers uh, use Um, or they've been shown to exhibit these specific biases when they're actually in the act of um, trying to take down or infiltrate a target. If that's happening while they're actually in the process of attacking, then the idea is that we can implement defenses that will either delay or entirely stop them from executing the attacks.
1: I've heard about this strategy in terms of okay we, we know that they're in let's drag them in and put them instead of having them go towards the actual jewels let's set a trap for them or something like that i've heard human beings talk about this is the idea behind this that they are going to automate that a little bit using using the intelligence they gather here
2: yeah i I I guess. (laughs) I mean, right now they're, you know, they're, they're gathering a lot, doing a lot of research and things like that. So I I don't know if they've actually decided what this will look like. Um, But it, it was really interesting to me to see the uh, most common biases that at least the small research team at, at Arizona, um, for their 2019 study, they showed that these hackers were easily uh, distractible by other things from the missions, like um, pointless, (laughs) like spending far too much time trying to identify whether a host is fake or not, um, not even knowing whether there's a fake host or not.
1: (laughs) So you could just deploy 400 fake hosts and that could keep them. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty funny. That's like giving someone a red pen and having them proofread the New York Times, you know, like they might find something, but it will take them a while to find a typo.
2: Exactly. That's, um, exactly. I mean,
1: who's the profile of someone who might bid on this? Is it a small shop? Is it an established big shop? You know, what what do you think from looking at the, the underlying paper?
2: I, I feel like this, um, this will require a narrow specialty to really I mean, ideally, it would be this cooperative thing that everyone's working on together across the industry and all stratifications. But, you know, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that that's a thing that could happen with InfoSec anyway. Um, but yeah, I I feel like the best way for this to happen is sort of like, um, the usual DARPA, um, IARPA model, and hire out a small, agile research team of um, some of the elite best across you know the world, and make this That's happen. Cool. That this way.
1: also comes from the um, you know the Department of Reaching for acronyms too. I think so. It's the, Re-Imag- the reimagining <laughs> security and Cyber Psychology Informed defense network, which does not automatically become the acronym they're using. RESCIND. I, lo- I love, I love it. Oh Which doesn't really, unless I'm missing it, doesn't seem to, <laughs> doesn't seem to combine all these things. Yeah. I'm just happy that they're doing it. It's pretty cool. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. I think that uh, that there is attention being paid to this issue, and if there is this data that that there is repetitive conduct, I mean, like when the mouse chases a piece, cheese in a maze, right? You can do things to thwart it, to to extend the time, to shorten the time. Um, and it is one of these things where if there is a reasonable strategy that's low cost to deploy and it will create even an additional 15 minutes, 15 minutes might be enough time to get whatever human defenses or AI driven defenses to the spot to, to protect it. But it sounded to me a little bit like, you know, what they say, like put your jewelry in a Wheaties box uh, instead of in a jewelry box just <laughs> to, to stop the, the home invaders from finding it. But maybe it's that simple. We right. should not have files on our servers that are named things like really important files. We should instead name name it something else. <laughs>
2: right, exactly. All right,
1: well, with that, with that said, we're going <laughs> to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll talk to Gotham about being a proud college dropout in his role as the CISO at accesscyber.co.
0: Password required content. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at No Password Pod.
1: Our guest today is Gotham Sharma. Gotham, welcome to No Password Required.
3: Hey, Jack, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here with you all.
1: Gotham, can we start with just giving us a breakdown of Access Cyber, what it does, and what your role is there?
3: Yeah, definitely. So Access Cyber was sort of born out of a passion project of mine. i had been spending a ton of time in cybersecurity, working with students. Um, And what I was finding is there's, you know, we talk about this all the time, right? How do you get into cybersecurity? What does that look like? Uh, And there are a ton of resources that exist out there. They're pretty low cost and uh, or free in in a lot of cases, but there wasn't just widespread knowledge about those resources. So what we wanted to do, I wanted to kind of put those in a singular hub where someone could log in And wherever you were in your career, you can kind of navigate yourself and say, what can we do? And how can I kind of level up and get started in this field, connect with mentors, take free courses, uh, learn about certifications, whatever you needed, Uh, it's meant to be a singular hub for that. And so what we've been doing as part of that is um, doing some education consulting, some curriculum design, helping schools, universities, nonprofits develop education curriculum in cybersecurity. And that's kind of grown out of that original idea of uh, a web resource.
1: Did you start as educators or did you start as cybersecurity professionals or some other way?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So years ago, I was running something called Excel Tech that I co-founded, and that was a cybersecurity MSSP. So Managed Services for Cybersecurity. Um, It's a fun story how that started. I'll share that in a little bit also. Uh, And from there, we were getting more and more requests for training, right? Companies were working with companies already and they were saying, hey, uh, we have to do security awareness training, whatever that means. Uh, Is that something you can do? (laughs) And we're like, yeah, we we've done this before. We can figure that out. Uh, and so from there, we were training more um, more staff, more corporate folks, and then naturally a segue came into education and universities and things like that. So some sort of, some sort of linear natural tra- uh, transition.
1: So got it. so the older form of it was training for sort of civilian employees, and now it's more folks who are interested in cybersecurity primarily as sort of as a career and as a specialist.
3: Yeah, so now it's both, right? It started off that way and we, we maintained that because security awareness is still, you know, my friend works at the gym and he had to do a security awareness training. So it's like it's every industry, every, it, no one is safe from it, right? Everyone has to do it. And so that that part of the core business model still exists, but now we're branching out more and more into the education side. Yeah, exactly.
1: What what got you interested in this the cybersecurity space in the first place?
3: Yeah, a um, number of things. I was always interested in tech, right? Um more broadly, more generally, uh, and then sort of like I, I like the analytical side of things, the puzzle solving. The uh, one of the things, I one of the most, one of the oldest sort of anecdotes I have about like cybersecurity that's non-technical is, I I would have a journal, right? I think a lot of kids, a lot of people have journals, diaries, and so I would write in this thing, and my parents, being my parents, kind of felt the liberty to just kind of browse through this thing. Oh no! It. Oh no! No, oh, come on! Like oh, that's the
2: half worst. of this thing is
3: about you. You can't read this. So eight-year-old me is like, my mom sucks. And I can't believe he did this. And 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 then I was like, wait a second. I can't move. I'm eight years old. I live here. I have to figure out a way oh. there. To... I can't hide this thing. It's their house. So I started writing in a way of like symbols and things like that. I didn't know it was encryption at the time, right? Awesome. The, the wording that's came awesome. later. The language came later. But like the idea of maybe I'll just use triangles instead of L's right that kind of got me thinking about it and then you realize wait a second there's a whole field of mathematics cryptography dedicated to things like this um again so far move cyber security i don't even think it was a thing at that time like the way it is now but just kind of thinking about like how do i protect data how do i protect my information at the time the threat actors my parents but now you know, all <laughs> the world things like that
1: i like that idea of the original threat things,
3: right? yeah yeah apt mom and dad so what what works
1: now? Like, what's your go to method for teaching these successful strategies that can be applied to us, you know, cybersecurity professionals' work work life? If you have a theory or or philosophy or strategy for it?
3: Yeah, I partially because we work so often with people who are transitioning from unrelated fields. Sometimes they have no tech background at all. I like to keep things a initially as high level as possible, and b as non technical as possible. So. You know if you're if you're coming from like uh if your past is in culinary arts for example i'm going to try and draw on examples from that world that may be relevant a because i get to learn about culinary arts yeah uh, or whatever yeah. world you're coming from and i want to kind of make it as relatable as possible right so we're, we're talking about like i don't know hashing right we're talking about combining all these ingredients together and now you've got this final product and you can never get back to just having the eggs if i said can you separate the eggs from this cake you probably couldn't do it right on, on a on a at a molecular level, you could not separate those eggs. And that's what hashing is, right? So we had students who were who who were great chefs and things like that. And they're like, hey, you want to do something different? So kind of entering that world and it it becomes an exchange of ideas instead of just me uh, lecturing at them or talking at them.
1: There's a a, a good section on the website that has a a sort of a drill down for veterans or folks who had served in the armed forces. Where did that come from and and what does that offering look like?
3: Yeah, so. I think veterans. Number one, um, we don't do enough for them. Number one, that's right off the bat. I think we'd all agree there. Uh, second of all, they they have sort of uh, everyone I've met have they already have sort of the ingrained discipline. They have the dedication, the commitment. Um, they've spent a lot of time doing you know, everything they've done has everything they've been doing has been done with such meticulousness and so like such detail oriented uh, that they're a good fit for any career. I think oftentimes and once they leave military service or even while they're transitioning. So I, there's a number of organizations that support veterans in cybersecurity, or fe- folks who are transitioning. Um, you know, I was very close to going to West Point after high school, right? I done that whole paperwork. It was very interesting to me personally. I would considered that route very for a very long time. Um, and so, you know, I was did ROTC in high school, kind of very immersed in that world, very familiar with it. And so, I've always sort of had that connection, even despite having never served. Kind of having that connection. A lot of my friends are in the military. Um, and so a lot of these things that go on the website come from people, just one-on-one things. I'm like, if one person has this problem, it's probably a scalable problem, right? right. There are probably other right. veterans who serve now they're looking for their next move. And what should I do? Uh, my answer to everything is, Oh, you look for a job, go to cybersecurity. Here's how, like, I'm just ready with that. I'm just, I've got it like ready and loaded. Um, so that's kind of my go-to. And I think it's, you know, whatever we can do for them is great.
1: To go back to sort of thinking of things that starting at maybe a high school level, if you know, it's, if someone who was in charge of curricular development for high school spoke to you and requested, like, a one-day training that would be required of all students to graduate from high school, what would you want to see in that curriculum?
3: I like this question uh, for a couple of reasons. In for, in college, for example, I'll, I'll come back to the high school piece in a sec. But in college, for example, was, there's was like this um, uh, the, the writing course they make you take freshman year. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's called different things different places, but something like freshman inquiry like writing seminar or something that's like everyone has to take this to graduate and I think we're getting to a point where we need at least at the college level of course like that because we're all using tech right so it behooves us to kind of have a basic understanding of how does this stuff work how do we secure ourselves what should we and should we not be doing at the high school level um I think we got to meet the students where they are yeah right yeah. figure out what they're already doing so the social media is a big piece right you hear about kids you know my social media account got hacked or, you know, I, someone I know, um, yeah. someone shared pictures of someone online, and that's happening at them. Unfortunately, it's very unfortunate, but these things are happening. And so how do you protect these things? Uh, how do you protect yourself from these things happening? I think it's less about what we're teaching them, as long as it's relative and, and not relative, relevant to what they're, what what sort of they're doing in their day to day. We can't start talking to them about critical assets and risk and all these <laughs> things, that matters, right? A, you've lost them at that point. Um, but, but we are talking about risk. It's just, it just has a different look to it. That's
2: good. That's good. Do you have any, um, high schoolers at the moment who have taken your education? Yes, we
3: run a, a summer course, uh, every summer for a couple of high schools in New York city uh, in cybersecurity. And they, and so we go over a couple of different awesome. things. Um, it gets pretty technical towards the end of it, but so far students seem to be enjoying it. And I, and I hear back from students who after the course say, Hey, I think I figured out my college major. And that's like <laughs> such a, such a great. Such a great email. And they say violin. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No one's going to get that
1: reference. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, what? So we talk um, when we talk to cyber professionals. A lot of them point to a mentor or sponsor who was really influential to them. But I mm-hmm. understand that you once spoke to a well-intentioned colleague, who then became your anti-mentor, the opposite of a mentor. What's the story yeah. there? What happened there, Gotham?
3: yeah so this is i'm glad you brought this up so a couple of years ago i was working at jp morgan um, this is probably the, sort of the early uh, beginning of my corporate career and uh, so i'm one of the security engineering teams and you know it was one of these like meet the cto of that line of business and just going around meeting everybody just you know shaking hands and uh, getting to know people and he comes up to me and i guess someone had told him something and he says oh i've heard about you uh in a couple of years you know what did he say he said in in 10-15 years you could be the cto here Okay, and and it was meant as such a like a genuine compliment, and I was it, in my head. I'm like, 15 years. You think I'm gonna be here 15 years from now? That's wild. That's no way, no way, buddy. Uh, and that start, the gears in my head started going, and I like, I, I'm I gotta get out of here. And that was really, if I trace it back, sort of my first moment of thinking about how do I escape like corporate America. and, and <laughs> these, it's, it, it's intention, right? Intention of our words and That's how awesome. we. What we say them with and how they're received, such we'd be so careful, I think. Well, I
1: tell you, we we have that in uh, in the law firm I work for. We call that the one question career test, which is if you look around and you see somebody who's five years more senior to you and you want to be like them five years out, then, okay, great. Your next question becomes, what do you do to be like them? And if you look at them and they're five years out and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want anything to do with that. That's also good, right? That's also an instructive answer, because that then tells you, let's get you on some other path, right? It's a great concept of looking around and thinking, hey, do I want to be here? They've got
3: yeah. that one question, yeah. career sure. path. And kudos to him. I, I think he generally meant as a sincere compliment. That's yeah. not anything on him. I just, you know, I just received in a way that kind of, very, very different than what was intended, I think. <laughs> What's, if you sort of, when
1: you're thinking about structuring your day, I mean, What's something that, if it happens, uh, can instantly make your own day better?
3: Hmm. Uh, something that'll make my day better. I, I touched on this a little bit with the students. Uh, you know, we're all kind of figuring out like why we do what we do and like the purpose and what drives us and things like that. And there are moments where like you hey, wake up and like, why am I doing any of this? What does it matter? We're never going to stop cybercrime, right? We're never going to end this, and. Uh, occasionally i get a letter or an email from a student or a message on LinkedIn saying, hey, maybe you don't remember me, but I took a class with you several years ago. And, and you know, now I'm in cybersecurity and I'm a SOC engineer and I'm a SOC analyst. And I'm doing this. Awesome. Uh, and I just got promoted to manager. Like, wow, how long has it been? <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> and and it's, it's nice to just kind of get those little reminders of why we're doing what we're doing. Right. And that it, even if one person is affected by it, it's it's all kind of worth it.
1: Kaylee, does that motivate you too? Probably, right? Same kind of thing.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. Um, I can definitely relate to that. I, I've i discovered I just need that higher purpose, I guess, not to sound too lofty, but it's, it's what really keeps you going through those tough days. And like you said, InfoSec can be especially exhausting. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, definitely yeah. can be. We definitely need a little bit of that. A little reminder, why are we doing it? <laughs> Gotham,
1: there's a lot of discussion in the cybersecurity community about what is the best path um, or what are some alternate paths that can get folks to becoming a cybersecurity engineer or or having a career. And, you know, they're not always traditional, right? The idea of what was great in cybersecurity 10 years ago isn't the same as it might be today. There might be many ways to do it. Um, As part of your journey, you know, um, maybe you could help us understand the difference between, let's say, like someone who does not complete college uh, or, or is a college dropout, right? But a pr- versus like a proud college dropout, someone who did it intentionally. Can you h- help us understand that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the, this exact question, right? Um, and like the, the taboos that are still associated with being a college dropout, right? And we we we're, we haven't come far enough, I think, right? There are a number of reasons people drop out. Sometimes it's hey, I just can't afford to finish the semester. And that's a very real situation. There's I have to either pick between going to work. Or going to school, uh, going to work, with My family, or go to school, right? And different stages of life are going to dictate, you know, what your situation is. Um, but I, I think, at its core, if you're dropping out of college, you're doing it uh, a either because you have to, or because you found a better opportunity, right? Those are the two people I talked to, myself included. Uh, I and I and I can speak anecdotally. I did it because I was working at Bank of America at the time, and and I said, wait a second, I I'm going to school. So I can get a degree and get a job but I'm already here at this job they seem to like me they seem to be okay with me um can I just keep doing this and then the next place I, I tell them hey I worked at Bank of America is, is that good enough for you and they'll say okay and then we'll, we'll just keep keep it up um you know my mom did not like that answer as you might imagine she, she was not as, as excited about that response she was like you're not going back for the semester no I'm just not going back period um, so that, that was a lot of, uh, a lot of conflict in my home during those months, but uh, she, she ultimately kind of, I don't know that I won her over, but she, she gave up, I think, um, <laughs> this is probably, probably more accurate. So I think that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, do you have something lined up? Are you doing yeah. it just cause it's, you know, now with all the startup founders and you hear about like, but are you building a hundred million dollar company to drop out of college? Most people aren't, right? Yeah. Most people are not doing, that's that. Right. Not doing that. I don't. Maybe we'll get there one day. I don't think, you know, that's on the roadmap right now, but it's, you know, I'm going to, I'm dropping out of college. Here's the game plan. Is there something concrete lined up? Yeah. Right. I think that's what someone has to ask himself before you, you make a decision like that. Um, And and InfoSec, I think is, is very noble in the sense that we don't really care about your academic pedigree. Right. For the most part, we are very open to saying, Hey, what can you do? And we hear that about tech a lot, but InfoSec, I think, despite its problems, we still like. If you're weird, come, come on down. If you don't have a degree, come on down. It doesn't matter, right? We are very, we're very kind, of accepting. I think, not to say we don't have our problems, but we we're pretty much we're very accepting. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was kind of thinking of that same thing, that InfoSec in particular is a lot more welcoming of people who don't have official degrees and things mm-hmm. like that, because so many of us just started tinkering.
3: Right, you know? exactly. And that's, that's kind of the people we want. It's like, all right, what do you, you know, what can you, and not to say that the degree is a bad route, but it's like, all right, but degree and what? What else have you done? Right? Because that, it, we're, we're, this isn't like the 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s even, where the degree meant you were standing out from the crowd right? Yeah. The degree doesn't set you apart the way it does 30, 40 years ago.
1: Yeah, Is there some opp- some opportunities where if you have to choose between a degree without experience or experience without a degree, you're going to take that second one every time, every time, right? The, the degree is only good if it tells me something about your experience, but if you've got the experience and you can demonstrate that, you don't need the degree.
3: Yeah.
1: I think so. That
3: That's yeah. my thinking.
1: So part of your journey has been pursuing very cool side hustles. So Gotha, I want to ask you about one of them. You have a blog that was inspired by the onion and satirical kind of news sites. Can you tell us about that project? Maybe what it is and what you'd like to see it become?
3: Yeah, for sure. So I've been reading the onion, like you mentioned for a very long time and, and related like satire publications, big fan of that. And we can talk about my, my work in comedy in a little bit, but that, uh, so the Onion. I'm always looking at how do I combine different parts of my life and world, right? So the Onion, uh, satire, news, right? First time I came across an Onion article, I was like, I can't believe this is a real story, <laughs> and you find out, wait a second, it's the Onion. What does that mean? Oh, I see. So I run something now called Brute Force Attack, right? Which is play on words, Brute Force Attack, Brute Force Attack. Um, and the idea is, can we, the the idea is, can we take things that are happening in cybersecurity and what's the wildest response to them, and what is the wildest, kind of most humorous, most exa- most exaggerated take on them that we can imagine, right? Because when a breach happens, for example, you'll hear companies come out with this kind of stock boilerplate letter, you know, hey, nothing, we're working on it, your data is safe, we talk to the feds, um, we'll keep you posted, don't sue us, right? It,
2: with a lot of it, asterisks. You know, with a ton of <laughs>
3: asterisks, for sure. And it's that boilerplate time after time after time. Uh, with some technical jargon thrown in there sometimes to throw off people who aren't necessarily technical. Um, so I, the way I thought about this was, what's the wildest thing a company could say as part of their post-brief response? What's the sort of a wild response? And, and that, that sort of spawned a few headlines and we went and just kind of went from there.
1: <laughs> how, how often do you have ideas for side projects like this? And how do you, how do you decide which ones you're going to pursue and which ones you're going to leave for another day?
3: Yeah, all the time uh, <laughs> they come up all the time. Like I'll see something, I'll be like, that should be a thing. Someone should make it. I'm someone. I should make it. <laughs> and that's that thought process. Uh, but I have sort of a master file document of like other things that just I want to work on. But you know, I'm a human being, and time is sort of limited. And um, but, but I think the ideas are always coming up, and I'm very blessed to kind of have ideas coming up. And even if I don't work on all, even if one of like every 50 of them become something where I work on or dedicate time. So I think that that's a pretty good ratio.
1: I love the idea though of keeping a list, a master list somewhere that you can add to and sort and revisit ideas over time, right? That's a powerful, I saw last week, I was, I traveled for work and I see some colleagues I hadn't seen in a while. And I wanted to talk about immediate work stuff with them. And one of them instead brought up an idea I had shared over lunch for a type of luggage that I had invented Okay. And, and that was all they wanted to talk about for 45 minutes. And it was just that, you don't. I had totally forgotten about it, right? It's like this uh-huh. dumbest, stupidest thing. But I love that concept that others may see us not based on what we think we are now too, but on these other side things that, so if you encounter someone who knows you from the blog or from stand-up, and then you've got to say, no, I do this whole other thing. And they're like, no, 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 no. I, in my mind, you're a blog guy. Right. right. I mean, do you have folks like that? Because you, like, you have all these different spheres. If you encounter someone who knows you in one, do you want to share with them that other part of you or is it you like to keep your worlds separate?
3: I, I think there's value in kind of being multi multifaceted, multidimensional. Right. I think it'll it, it. What it does is it enhances all the other drugs. Right. Like I bring the comedy to my security trainings and security awareness presentations definitely makes its way into it. Um, the blog itself has been a nice creative outlet, right? All the writing, I've been writing forever. And so the writing is therapeutic at this point. Um, I, yeah, I mean, just cause I'm at the intersection of all those worlds, to your point, doesn't mean that everyone exists at those intersections, right? In my, in my world, at least. Um, most people I know from comedy are just comics. Most yeah. people I know from cyber, are just cyber. Although there is a surprisingly high overlap rate between comedians. <laughs> Oddly enough, I, I've met a few folks on Twitter who are, in InfoSec, but also doing stand up comedy. So oh, that's cool. interesting.
1: Well, yeah. How did you first get into stand-up comedy and you know decide you wanted to that, that was something you wanted to pursue?
3: Uh, definitely started on a dare. <laughs> I just got out with some friends to go <laughs> sit and watch an open mic. where uh, we're at a bar or something and, and someone announced an open mic is starting, which is cue for you can leave now or be subject <laughs> to whatever's about to happen. <laughs> right. And that's that was very nice of them to give people that option. <laughs> A lot of places don't do it. You'll be sitting there, and, like, someone will start telling jokes, like, what's happening? I'm just – I just yeah. came for a meal. And they did that, and we're watching this thing, and, and my buddy goes, hey, you should do that, right? Or I, I dare you to do that, right? And I'm like, no, what are you kidding me? And then, you know, drinking, and we're drinking some more. And I'm like, how hard can this be? <laughs> <Right>? Liquid courage. <laughs> how hard can this be? So go up there, completely bomb. Horrible. Horrible. I've never done anything like that before. And, um, but but what happened after that was I – um. I won the twenty bucks from the dare first off. That's awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh but I, I looked at what I did and I was like, I could I could probably tighten up some of that stuff and make it actually work. And so I went back and I started writing things a little bit. I was like, all right, let's and, and then since then, kind of almost weekly I have I've been on stage and kind of some. That's awesome. Has this all been in New York, often for the most part? A lot of it's been in New York, okay. sort of the tri state area, a little bit of West Coast
1: stuff. Oh wow. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're in like the right place, right time kind of a thing to, to do a lot of that. I,
3: yeah, I think so. Comedy's comedy's hot right now here.
1: How um, what's your process like for for writing uh, for the stage?
3: A lot of it is um, a lot of it's things that happen in conversation. Right. Because okay. it's I think a lot of us are so funny and, and we, we can all think back to a time where we made someone laugh or we said something witty. Most people just don't have a reason to capture it on paper right? It's great in the moment and you can exist in that moment. and It's great. You're laughing, they're laughing and everyone's entertained. But I think my process has changed to to just, I've added, I've incorporated the capturing part. How do I capture this so that it becomes something I can work on I can turn it into three minutes or I can turn it into 10 minutes or I can add or tack it on somewhere. Um, that and like, you know, just waking up at 3am, something <laughs> came to mind, you jot it down. Maybe it's something, maybe it's complete trash, but I wrote it down and I'm, I, I don't. I, I'm, in my mind, I'm required to add it to like the master joke file, <laughs> right? Because maybe it's something, maybe it's not, but but maybe it's something we can work with.
2: <laughs> do you have like a set uh, of jokes that you tell almost every time, or how often do you? I will.
3: It up? So I'll try to. So I'll do a set. I'll do like a 12 minute set, and then I will slowly add new material to that. Sometimes, and then eventually it, it's completely revamped. You can't tell what it was anymore because every joke's been replaced. Um, or yeah, I, I have like comfort jokes that I, that I know will get a laugh and then I'll, I'll lean back on as a crutch if I think like I'm, the audience isn't really responding or I'm bombing or whatever. Um, jokes are kind of tried and tested that I'll tell and they'll, 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 they'll kind of bring me back up for a little bit and I'll be above water and go from there. Crowd work, I still love my crowd work. I do a lot of that, that's always fun.
1: Do you incorporate any part of your cybersecurity career identity in your, in your comedy?
3: I've been looking for ways to do that. Okay. Um, it's it's been uh I think with with the with the uh, the website now brute force I we can there's a way to bridge that. I can kind of figure out how much of this is relatable to people not in infosec, right? And there'll be something we can draw from that and pull from it inevitably. But things definitely cross over the other way from from the comedy world to the security world. That'll definitely happen <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh,
1: just want to ask you one more question then we'll pivot to a quick break, but you know, you've described your childhood as something of a supporting cast role, and you've become, over time, a little bit more of a lead role kind of a guy. What do you think was the
3: catalyst for that change from supporting
1: cast to lead role?
3: Yeah, supporting cast in the sense of exactly what it sounds like, right? Where someone's working on something, I'm there. I'm your guy. Let's work on it, right? Um, it's your thing. Uh, you do it, and whatever you need, I'm here in the background, sort of in the shadows in the background. Um and, and I think over time, what I realized was there's a certain world that you can you can exist like that for a very long time. And it's great. And, and some people prefer that. Right. Just to be kind of behind the scenes. Um, but what, what I kind of realized over time was there's a certain part of the world that's closed off to people who operate like that. Um, and and if that's a part, if that's something that's interesting to you, if that's a world you want to partake in, uh, there's a certain shift that needs to happen. Uh, so I don't, th- I don't know that I'd go as far as lead guy or lead role, but I, I think definitely more of a, um, uh, more of an active role in my own life. I've definitely taken on. That's great. So I think that's, that's important. I think, you know, not, not that one is better than the other, right? It's both, we need both kinds. We need all kinds of people. Um, but that just kind of, when I saw the direction I wanted my life, my personal life, my career to go in, that just seemed like the right move.
2: I think it's important, too, for people to realize that you're not stuck in one or the other, that you can intentionally change whether you want to be supporting or lead. or Yeah, a little very job. much. And
3: I think uh, you hit it on the head with that last part, a little bit of both. And I think that's where that's a sweet spot, right? Because there are going to be people who we want to just support how they're operating or whatever they're working on. We may not know enough about it, right? We just want to be supporting them to make their dreams or their, you know, their success happen. So yes and yes is kind of the way I think about it.
1: All right, well, we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll put Gotham through our Lifestyle Polygraph. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to the No Password Required Podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a
3: lot of other stuff.
2: Welcome back. Gotham, are you ready for the Lifestyle Polygraph? I'm
3: afraid to say yes, but I'm going to. Yeah, let's do it.
2: Awesome. All right. Question number one. What's the greatest lesson that your mom ever taught you?
3: Greatest lesson my mom ever taught me? um, I I think be kind to everyone all the time um, to connect my spirituality a little bit. uh, And then intention, right? Consider intention that people are coming at you with.
2: Yeah, that's so important. I love it. it. What would you say her response to that question would be? What the greatest lesson she's taught you?
3: Um, she, she would probably say I've learned nothing from her, right? Like, <laughs> despite her best efforts, I've learned nothing. Um, I don't know if she'd say this, but like I, what I've learned from, from watching her is my mom is the ultimate rebel, right? I have never met someone who embodies a spirit of rebellion more than my mother, uh, especially kind of, despite kind of limitations we still place on women and especially as a woman of South Asian descent, uh, breaking all kinds of cultural barriers and cultural norms. So I have so much respect for her. Uh, she doesn't think of herself as a rebel, but I i know she is. That's cool. I
2: love that. That's beautiful. I love a good rebel. Same. <laughs> so number two, what is the skill set that you possess that took the most work to develop? Uh,
3: the skill set that took the most work to develop? Um, hmm. Uh, bum, bum, bum. I think I don't know if it's a skill. I don't know if I have it, but I think patience. I, I, I try to have more patience these days. Um, and it's it's important, it's an important skill for someone who's educating and training. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a requirement. So I try to I try to work on the patience and cultivate the patience. Doesn't mean I have it yet or but I, but I'm working on it.
2: I think that's already a big step that you're aware of it and trying thank to work you, on you. it. Thank <laughs> you. So Number three, if you could spend a day with anyone in history to discuss building a successful per- personal brand, who would you choose?
3: Successful personal brand? Who do I like for that? Um, I think people that. So I I like Jerry Seinfeld, right, from a comedy perspective, right? This <laughs> this career his career has lasted several decades, um, kind of dodged most kind of you really don't hear anything bad about Jerry yeah, Seinfeld, really. really. Um, has managed to never drop an f-bomb on stage, uh, which alone is a, is a skill, right? He's he's completely a clean comic, doesn't curse. I think that's so huge. Um, you can watch it with really any audience, and it's pretty fine. So I think that's huge. Uh, and then kind of built his brand into other things, right? The show, the web series, books, all kinds of things.
1: He he had that stand-up documentary. I don't know what it was on, what what platform it was on. You know, maybe a year or two ago, but it was. Incredible to watch how all the success he had had, and he was still doing material in clubs. Now, he can get on in any club he wants to, and they'll hear him, so it's a lot easier. But it was still cool how he still had that, you know, I want to get up, and I want to try new stuff, and some's going to happen, and some's going to fail. And he was just putting yeah. himself back out there. It was, I mean, look, he's got a heck of a cushion at this point, but it was still really cool. Like, he could do anything. He could just sit on his butt all day, but he was out still doing trying and, and trying new material was pretty cool
3: for sure yeah and, and i think that speaks to, like humility and a true love for the art right like you wouldn't do that if you didn't love it if you were just in it for the money you wouldn't do it or if you yeah. were just in it for your like to get famous you wouldn't do that yeah but yeah. I, I think those are both great qualities yeah that's cool
2: i didn't know that about not dropping an f-bomb on stage that really is pretty yeah. impressive <laughs> i i I have a hard time not f-bombing around children. This is
3: the hardest three minutes of my life. Are you
1: kidding
2: me?
3: I haven't.
1: (laughs) Better that they hear it from you, Kaylee, than from someone else. That's what I like to think. That's That's
2: right. That's right. (laughs) All right. So number four, what is a moment of your life that you'd like to experience again?
3: Moment of my life I'd like to re-experience, experience uh, experience again. What do I have for this? Um, Hmm moment in my life I'd like to re-experience. I thought about this. I don't, I don't know that I have anything good for this. Um there are there are like a number of like um just silly family vacations over the years that have like been basically like a comedy of errors type thing. Um that were horrible in the moment, but in retrospect, I was like, that was a good moment. That was a great moment of my life. And there you go with one of those.
1: That's a great thing though to 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 have, right? It's that that even the stuff that didn't work out the way you wanted to still was pretty cool. Like I always worried when you think about revisiting something that you met that maybe something didn't go the way you wanted to, but then if you went back and corrected it, it would screw everything up and maybe it was the mess up. That was the thing that was great. Right. It caused that, it that's such really a good. That's the right answer. I think.
3: Yeah. You have to have that attitude, which is why I try to think now, like things that maybe I'm not loving or I'm like, that's not great. I'm like, what is this going to look like in next number of years from now? That's right. It's a, Someone say, but
1: entrepreneurship is harvesting failures. Right. You just gotta mm. get because you gotta get through them oh. at some point because that's how you, you know, you one, you're learning how things don't work, but two, you know, you're you're not asking the right people if you're always successful. You, I mean, right. I I, mean, I gotta imagine that doing is that doing stand-up, at least in the early days, is good training for on entrepreneurship.
3: You know, it's good training for everything. it, it, it because it's not just public speaking, it's public speaking and there's an expected response, right? If you do something in, in different arts, I think people will clap at the end of it just to be polite. But people are not going to laugh just to be polite, right? If you sing a song, people will be like, all right, he tried, she tried, let's, let's give it a little something. But people are very kind of, kind of keep their laughter close to the chest. They're not just handing it out. Right? You've got to really earn that.
2: I think also the ability to maybe accept failure because inevitably someone's not oh, yeah, going to laugh.
3: 100%. Or
2: boo you
3: even. (laughs) And and like rejection, right? Uh, Straight up rejection. Not laughter is is rejection. (laughs) (laughs) So building that muscle a little bit. Tolerance for that.
2: So number five. If you were attempting to relax on vacation, which part of you is more brutal to shut off? The cybersecurity part or the comedian?
3: Hmm. I think the comedian is harder to, to silence because he always wants to say things and he's just saying things <laughs> because, because like the world is the lab, right? I'm going to say this and see if it works, right? I'm going <laughs> to see if it's something. And then if it works, I'll write it down. Um, because every, because like day to day, if you're looking for funny things, you will find funny things happening throughout the day. And wherever you, wherever in the world you are, you know, you can, you can find, it's harder in some cases than others, but you will find something to laugh at.
2: Yeah, I guess comedy is kind of a universal oh, language. For sure. <laughs> so I don't actually have a sixth question, but I've heard you have a really interesting book idea. So I'm going to make that my question six. Okay, sixth.
3: cool. Um, I haven't talked about this anywhere else. The The book is, um, I'm calling it a book. There's enough words for like a blog post right now, but okay. whatever, whatever. We'll, we'll get a book out of it eventually. It's, um, it's so again, bringing up Seinfeld again, uh, one of my favorite shows, Watched every episode probably dozens of times. Um, and so the book is uh, combining my different worlds, right, of cybersecurity and Seinfeld. And as I watch that show now, I think about like there's all these moments in there that lend themselves to great cybersecurity analogies. So the book is um, working title like Seinfeld and cybersecurity or like 10 cybersecurity lessons from Jerry Seinfeld. Um, so we'll see what the book comes of that. Um, you know, I, I think I have like one or two so far, we'll, we'll get the other eight.
2: I absolutely love that idea. I think it would be pretty successful. I just finished a rewatch of mm-hmm. Seinfeld not too long ago, and yeah, I could totally see how that would be. Yeah, relevant. there's just
3: a ton of <laughs> ton of anecdotes from there that I that you, you know with some uh, creative, you know creativity can become something. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, you you will get the first copies, folks.
1: Well, this the this the episode, in the scene where uh, I think Kramer is get trying to guess George's password for his his pin his pin or whatever mm-hmm. it is for his mm-hmm. financial account and he breaks him down where he's like well you're a portly man and you and he just walks him through you, you know and he, right. right and then yeah that, that's I mean, we think about that in there's a picking a, a password and how many passwords are bosco out there right oh, now for sure as a result sure. of that one scene Oh man,
3: the, I'll tell you the scene that actually um, kicked off the idea that this could be something is I threw I threw like a meme in like a presentation one time. It's um, I think all of you are all of you seem like Seinfeld fans, right? Yeah. It's um, it's a scene where Jerry's on vacation and he comes back and his everything's gone in his home. There's nothing left. <laughs> and, and all this stuff is gone, and Kramer's like, oh, you have insurance, right?" He's like, "No, I spent all my money on this stock." <laughs> <laughs> I don't have insurance. That's why I bought the lock. Because <laughs> has only one flaw. The door must be closed. And it, it's like a straight line. The door must be closed for the lock to work. And uh, I, that's just stuff will be forever. That's awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> we don't
1: need to worry about fishing. We trust our no. employees.
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, okay. Go- Gotham, thank you so much for joining us. If our listeners want to connect with you, uh, cybersecurity or, or other, you know, uh, passions, how can they do that?
3: Yeah, I, I live on LinkedIn. My first name, last name, um, Instagram, Twitter. Everything is Gotham J Sharma. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, thank you all. Really great to be here and a lot of fun. This is the most fun I've had uh, doing a podcast ever. All right. Thanks so much, Gotham.
1: That brings us to the end of the program. Thank you so much for joining us. First and foremost, I have to thank my co-host, Kaylee Malton. Thanks also to our guest, Gotham Sharma, the cybersecurity stand up who knows the value of both a locked door and insurance. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe to the No Password Required podcast. You can find us on social media at No Password Pod. I'm Jack Clabby. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the No Password Required podcast. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. A special thanks goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields and Second Watch. If you would like to learn more about the show, visit our website at cyberflorida.org/pod, and if you still need more show content, check out our social media at nopasswordpod.